Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This episode is brought to you by Accenture Interactive. Greater experiences start with reimagined consumer experiences. Visit AccentureInteractive.com to see how we're combining creativity, strategy, and technology to make businesses healthier and consumers happier. That's AccentureInteractive.com. You're listening to, yeah, that's probably an ad. This is the Adweek podcast uh, where we talk about marketing, media, advertising, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything's an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the creative and innovation editor with Adweek and uh, excited to welcome back Christina Monlos, our brand marketing editor. Christina, how are you doing? I'm okay. How are you guys? I'm recovering, if, if we're being honest. Yes, indeed. So all all three of us, and the third I should mention, is Doug Zanger, our senior editor on the Creative Beat with me. Doug, welcome to your first podcast with us. Aloha. Doug's an old old hand at radio and audio. You used to run like a podcast network before podcast networks were a thing, right? <laughs> uh, it was a failed podcast network, and it was it was an absolute nightmare. But as we like to say in this industry, you know, we love to fail and we love to learn from our mistakes. Well, <laughs> oh my God, that voice. <laughs> yeah, just you should you should use that the rest of the show. No, that's just, no. be the Zanger voice. Uh, we are all three of us back from the Cannes Lions International Festival of Creativity in the south of France, uh, where we spent the past week and odd days uh, covering all the big winners and trends and uh, interviews and panels with some of the top leaders in tech and branding, uh, and definitely from the agency world. And uh, honestly, this uh, episode we're going to break format a little bit. Uh, no big news section or anything uh, because all of us have just been off the grid for quite a while and uh, been working very hard. And I think, um, uh, you know, I can probably speak for all of us when I say that those are some very long days that you put in. At least it's pretty. <laughs> um, but it was, it was a long, long days. Um, but uh, we're back and want to talk about what were some of the big winners, what were some of the trends we saw, uh, and just kind of how can has changed. Doug, I believe that you said this is your eighth can that you were at, right? Yeah, this was number eight. Uh, and it was interesting. I, I got there and I said, how many have you been to? And, and you have to go back in, in your head and be like, oh my God, when did I start coming to this thing? So yeah, eight. And it's uh, it's changed, but there are a lot of things that have remained the same as well. The uh, Christina, it was your third or fourth? Second. It was just my second. Oh. It oh, feels wow. like it's a third or fourth because <laughs> you right. come back feeling rather haggard. But uh, but no, only my second. Though it did oh, okay. feel very different this year. Like last year, it felt like there was more pomp and circumstance uh, around everything. Whereas this year, it felt sort of m- muted. I don't know. M- was that your take? Yeah, you know it. It felt like a like there had been a recession without the recession. You know what I mean? Like yeah. normally, this is the kind of festival. This change where everything's slimmer, everything's cheaper. You know, just everything's kind of smaller. 
um, and including everything from the crowd sizes to the number of entries, all both of which were down about twenty to twenty five percent. Uh, and it was noticeable. It was certainly noticeable. But yeah, the whole week I just kept getting this vibe of like, did we have an economic reception, recession and I just kind of missed it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I you could I, definitely tell they were tightening their belts when like you go and pick up your badge and the swag bag is like, there's there's nothing in there. There's not <laughs> one literal, thing in there. Uh, it's a uh, literal bag. <laughs> a pencil a pencil and a ruler from Media Math. Yeah. Wait, you got a ruler? <laughs> I didn't get either of those things. No, I'm just making it up. I'm just making it up. <laughs> yeah, that was li- literally just an empty bag, although I appreciate that from all the years that where they just gave you like 800 pieces of paper you didn't want, but I do <laughs> yeah. keep the bag. The bag is useful. Um, so let's talk about... Um, We'll talk about big winners first because that's always it is in you know in the end and it's an award show. Uh, there's a lot of trappings around it that we'll get into, uh, but uh, let's talk about some of the awards. So uh, for better or worse, uh, the biggest awards are typically the Grand Prix in film. I think there was some debate this year about whether that's uh, still kind of the hottest category. I feel like Titanium, uh, which is the category that transcends categories uh, it's the one that was created to <laughs> honor work that doesn't that doesn't fit with anything else titanium has kind of become one of the hottest but then again they announced it at the at the beginning of the night like there it's just literally the first thing in the award show so there's not exactly a lot of build up uh, but that's it uh, the big winners in uh, in film were it's a tide ad by Saatchi and Saatchi New York, uh, which I think we all knew going into it was definitely a front runner. It won the Black Pencil at DNAD, which is one of the most coveted awards you can get and a good sign that jurors were probably going to be pretty nice to it. And also uh, it shared the Grand Prix with The Talk, also from PNG, the parent company of Tide. Uh, this one from BBDO New York and a, a host of other agencies. And those were the two big winners. We talked to uh, the creator of uh, the talk, uh, the director of the talk, uh, and uh, Malik Vithal. Let's listen to a little bit of our conversation with him about what they were trying to accomplish. This, if you don't remember, this is the ad where they uh, PNG wanted to spark uh, an awareness and more empathy in discussions around race in America. And uh, let's listen to some of his thoughts on how he walked that line. It was important for us to kind of hit all the different emotional beats along the way with the stories. We really wanted this to go far in terms of anybody being able to access this conversation. I think it's important for us to have a a safe space. We didn't want to push anyone away with this story. We more just wanted to create like an open space that felt universal that's like, look deep into this aspect of our culture and now make up your own mind. So definitely interesting to see such an American ad, such an American-specific ad, uh, doing so well on an international stage. You know, it is very much about race relations in America. Tide ad also is a Super Bowl ad. These are both, like, very kind of American ads in a, in a festival that doesn't normally uh, kind of tilt in those directions. What, what did you guys think of those big wins? I mean, they were expected. Um, they were expected, but then, like, it again, it just felt sort of like there wasn't... I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to put it, but there wasn't like last year when fearless girl won all of, all of the, all of the things, <laughs> all, of, felt, all of everything, all the things it felt like inevitable. And if anyone's listened to this podcast, they know how I feel, feel about fearless girl. Um, I, I loved, I liked the talk a lot and I, and I loved, um, the tide ad, but it just, I don't know what it was. Like, it just didn't, I don't know. You guys were in the room that night. Like, it just didn't feel, like, surprising or, or, or 
even yeah, nothing like nothing electrified people. No, uh, yeah. I mean, except some of the nonprofit work. The there was a a video that um, brought back the voice of the uh, the guy who created the ice bucket challenge for ALS Society, and uh, and they digitally they took all of his speeches uh, and interviews that he's done and they turn that into uh, a new digital voice so he doesn't sound like a robot now that he's lost his voice. That one, standing ovation, people crying. I mean, that one earnestly got to everybody uh, in a way that nothing else really did. That was the Grand Prix for good, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, short of that one, it was just everyone's kind of like, yes, that was a good ad. And, and maybe <laughs> yeah. that's because it felt so expected. Like you see something like the talk and you go, okay, this is like, if, if PNG can like prove that that was truly impactful beyond just like moving the needle for their brands that's a huge deal and i think that's really awesome um and then you know with tide you've seen like that completely changed the conversation from are we all eating tide pods to oh man look at this great <laughs> tide ad so that was obviously a big win for them too and so it's like you as you pointed out, it was like a big win for PNG that night, but it felt more like it was a big win for PNG, like as a company rather than, you know, the, these specific pieces of marketing. But tell me if you guys felt differently. No, no, no. I mean, I think, I think it was, it was, you know, can brought to you by PNG. I mean, Mark Pritchard was all over the place, <laughs> yeah, which, which I actually, yeah, which, which I actually really appreciate. I, I, you know, saw him a couple of times and, yeah, he, obviously he has a great stage presence, but I also think there's a tremendous amount of sincerity in where he's going mm-hmm. with all of this. Yes, he's trying to meet commercial needs, but I also think, you know, he's he's cut of the cloth like the Antonio Lucios of the world, where they're seeing they're seeing the they're seeing things change. Not to use a pun here, they're seeing the tide change, which I think is is, is important. <laughs> it was too easy. It was just sitting there. It was an awful <laughs> pun. Awful. They're really cleaning up at the awards. <laughs> right. Oh my god. Um, but I, but I what I appreciated is usually during can you get swamped with these and I'm using air quotes here, personalities, you know, advertising famous people and there isn't as much substance, but I thought that everybody that came out with an opinion. So again, the Mark Pritchards of the world, uh, you know, they, they had some strong opinions, but I also thought there was more substance to it this year, which I think is important because now maybe we are seeing more of a change and, and brands understanding that where the balance is between selling stuff and, and being good stewards in society so maybe this is the year where things shift a little bit. Now Martin Sora, a little different story, but you know, he, you know, he's always there. He's he's like the uncle that'll never leave. Well, I do want to talk more about brands and about some of these bigger topics. I want to talk about women and empowerment and gender balance and how they kind of came up uh, repeatedly throughout the week. Uh, but just to real quick close the loop on some of the other big winners, there were thirty Grand Prix winners. So I'm not going to sit here and list them all. We have a gallery of them on the website. Uh, but I would say that the biggest winners uh, was the planet Earth uh, because the, the, <laughs> wow. The, the, well, no, I mean you know literally. Wow. The, the, Who's um, the hippie now? Okay, not me this time. I I did not have a, a can bun uh, hairdo, unlike some people on this podcast. I <clears throat> yep. Okay. Please continue. <laughs> please continue. Um, I would if I could, but I'm real bald. So we've got uh, the trash aisles. 
was a, um, this was from Lad Bible, uh, the kind of viral content site, uh, and where they created a, they turned giant piles of trash floating out in the ocean. They're supposedly about the size of France, if you put it all together. And they um, they asked the UN to recognize it as a new nation, um, because then other nations would have to help clean it up uh, through some phrasing within the UN Charter. And uh, they, they, they worked with AMV BBDO, uh, the agency in London, to create currency for it. They created a flag for it. It's all incredibly well done. It uh, it won several uh, several Grand Prix, uh, including I believe design, uh, and um, and then it won. I want to say titanium as well. Uh, but then the Palau Pledge, I, I believe, was the biggest winner. It won three Grand Prix. As Christina mentioned, in previous years, we've had things like uh, Fearless Girl. Uh, we've had Dumb Ways to Die. We've had Sorry I Spent It on Myself. Campaigns that won five uh, Grand Prix. This year, it really looked like we weren't going to have anything like that because they did put a limit on the number of lines you can enter to win now in terms of categories. Uh, but uh, we did have Palau Pledge, uh, where you know they they stamp a environmental pledge into your passport when you visit the Micronesian nation of Palau, and uh, it's a pledge to the children of the country not to damage its environment. This has been a a huge talker uh, for the last few months. It's from Host Tavos in Australia. That thing it won three Grand Prix. Uh, it uh, it won the I believe the Titanium Grand Prix included, which is as I mentioned one of the biggest awards. So environmental causes definitely well represented. Uh, quite a few others, but uh, but we could talk about the awards all day. Let's uh, like I said, let's go back to kind of some of these issues. I did want to talk about gender balance. Uh, I had several women uh, specifically say it feels like there's more women here. That's a hard thing to quantify because Can has told me repeatedly they don't count the the gender of the number of people arrived. But Christina, I'm curious. What, you know, what did you think in compared to the previous year? Did you feel like women were at least more visible? Did you feel like there was more? Did you feel like they were more welcome in the, in the festival that's had a had a struggle with this for for many years? Um, hmm. I think, I think that's a tough question to answer. I, I would put it into two parts. Did I see more women on the main stage? A little bit. I think so. And I, and, you know, often when they, when these things are are being programmed, like the women that you'll see who are on stage, there'll be a few like, uh, well, not like household names because... (laughs) like who who uh, aside from like our households really sits around being like these are the people who run brands but um you know a few recognizable names like an Allison Lewis or um you know someone someone of that level but often it'll just be like some recognizable marketers and then some actors or actresses that you, that you know from different shows. And like, that's kind of how they'll bring in more women. And this year I saw a couple more women on the, on the main stage, but where I really saw more women was actually like on the beaches. Uh, I know Twitter, um, you know, even though it's, even though it's the app that we all think of as this like hellfire where you learn about the world being terrible and where Jack does questionable things. Uh, it, it, Twitter as a company, um, 
seems to have made, you know, showcasing women, especially in the marketing space, uh, a real, a real point for them. And so on Twitter beach, there was this like, you know, hashtag women symbol, you know, giant and present there. It just, you know, they had events, uh, they had a Kerry Washington brunch, this here we are thing. And, and that, that seemed like, you know, over there, they were trying to make that happen. And then almost every, I don't know, almost every, like, uh, marketer I talked to, they were actually talking about gender and race as part of the conversation without being prompted to be like, so how are you trying to diversify your companies? Like these people <laughs> were, these people were saying these things unprompted. And, um, one CMO actually told me that she was, you know, she was at a dinner where there were two men um, who run major companies and, you know, she was sitting near them and overheard their conversation and they were, um, they were talking about where they were with the pay gap. Like she wasn't pushing them to talk about this. No one was asking them to talk about this. They were just like sharing notes about where they were with the pay gap. And she said it was really like heartening to hear that, that like unprompted these two men had had like, enough awareness this year to have that conversation. So all of that is to say, I think can still absolutely has a long, long way to go to, um, to fix some, I I don't know. I think the whole industry has a long way to go to fix, (laughs) to, to fix these things. But, uh, but from what I'm hearing from like other marketers, it does seem like it was a better year. I'll give it that. Yeah, and and I feel like the struggle that um, that everyone has is you want to you want to incorporate women, you want to spark these dialogues about gender balance and and about gender issues, but you don't want to basically bring some of the brightest minds in marketing from around the world and basically say, "Hey, you're a woman. Talk about being a woman." You know what I mean? And that's something that I think they're getting better at. It's like it used to just be, "Look at all these panels." featuring women and they're all about women <laughs> you know, and they've, they've made some headway in that of just re- representing people as you know as the professional leaders uh, that they are and you know the, I say that so you know we had uh, a, a discussion on this podcast with uh, Maribel Vidal and uh, Laura Visco from South America in one of our bonus interviews and I really enjoyed it but those are two women who have really committed much of their professional passions and lives to getting more women into leadership so it's not like we said you know hey you do all this amazing advertising for Axe and for these other brands Laura you know come tell us about gender balance (laughs) (laughs) you know but it's it's for for something where I think giving a stage giving a a microphone giving volume to the people for whom those are uh, huge passion points I think is something that is really rewarding for me personally and and for you know hopefully for the other other people doing programming on events it can um, but at the same time you have to avoid feeling like the only way you involve women is to talk about women and yeah, the only time exactly. you, the only way you incorporate minorities is to talk about diversity it's like there can seems to be getting better in that regard well i'll right. say over i'll say overall that what what i find interesting is I, I like the whole idea of it being matter of fact and so for decades we've had just you know we've had ostensibly one lens to look through which tends to be the white male and what I find interesting is over the years, you start getting more women, you start getting more people of color on stage, just matter of fact, talking about their work, talking about their jobs, talking about the way that they perceive things. And what I find is the the aperture of that lens starts to widen. And I think that we end up getting better work overall. So you see the winners here at Cannes. And if you compared it to you know maybe five years back, 
just see what the sensibility looks like. And my guess is, is that you're going to see things that are more inclusive, that have a little bit more heart, that have a different point of view, but it's additive to what we've you know, what we've had for so many decades, and it's not necessarily replacing it. But again, it's more matter of fact. It's not like you're signposting it saying, here's a woman on stage. It's just like, oh, yeah, she's really smart. And this is a really interesting take on something that I'm familiar with in the first place. So I think that's one of the things that, you know, isn't necessarily called out, but I get a sense that that's happening. Well, one thing that came up um, in terms of talking to some of the judges, they changed up a few aspects of judging this year. There was more live judging uh, where nominees or entries uh, that make it to the shortlist have to defend, have to go in front of the jury uh, live in a public setting. Anyone can drop in and watch it. And uh, I, di- I did watch some of it last year. I didn't get a chance to watch this year, but they had titanium and I believe glass, uh, the the kind of gender balance and equality alliance. Those were all... Um, and uh, probably innovation, we're all uh, live judged. And several jurors told me that that was a game changer, that there were entire campaigns where they never would have given it um, a good shake, much less a gold or a Grand Prix, if it had not been for uh, the the teams that came on and and really made the case, uh, you know, and, and especially in Titanium, where, again, it's an intentionally very broad uh, category. Uh, but, you know, just they said that, yeah, you watch a case study and you just kind of walk away with these like, eh, you know, I didn't like that. But if you have a person there where you can ask them, like if you didn't like it for a reason, you can just say, uh, you know, what was up with that? Why'd you do it that way? And then if they convince you, you'd be like, oh, all right, that's actually a pretty good argument. You can't you can't have that discussion with a case study video. No, no, a case, <laughs> a case, a case study is a what? A presentation is a why. And the why is what matters. And I think Blood Normal, that was one of the winners where that presentation made a massive impact. And it wasn't just necessarily the creatives from the agency. It was the fact that the CMO from the brand was there defending them. I mean, that speaks volumes. Yeah. So so real quick, I want to set this up and then hand it off to Christina to weigh in because Blood Normal, I would say, is my favorite campaign to come out of uh, Cannes this year because it was the only one that felt like it had any sort of an edge on it at all. Like everything was very warm and fluffy and fuzzy and heartwarming. You know what I mean? It was. It all felt very safe. And that was a word I kept hearing over and over, which is not a word you want to hear when you're talking about like the most innovative marketing. But Blood Normal... Uh, uh, from Body Form uh, or Labress, I think is the other. Is the other yeah, name it's Labress. I think yep. so. Yeah. They um. So it, this was a we we've written about it uh, for sure, but the, you know I was intrigued to see the scope of this. This is a campaign to really change the stigmas in the way we talk about periods and menstruation, and to get uh, you know women and men uh, to and brands uh, and and broadcasters uh, to be more frank about it, to be more open about it. Uh, the case study video was fantastic. I think people really got excited about it. My favorite quote from all of uh, from all of Can of anybody I talked to this year was uh, PJ Pereira uh, from Pereira and Odell. Uh, he, I, I asked him, like, what were some of the campaigns you really wanted to fight for? In uh, he was on the Titanium jury, and he said, "I was ready to fight with swords for Blood Normal because <laughs> he thought mm-hmm. other people wouldn't like it." And then he said, "And then we went around the room, and everyone liked it." And I was like, "Oh man!" <laughs> he was like, "I was ready to fight for it," <laughs> oh but uh, the, it just really seemed to kind of excite people in a way that not much does. It, it won the, uh, I'll say, the Grand Prix in glass, uh, if I remember right. But Christina, what do you think of that one? Well, okay. I, I want to set this up by um, telling you guys a little story. Um, so when I was like 10 or or maybe I was nine, I think I was nine, I had seen period commercials all my life about pads and about, you know, 
whether or not something would like hold the the amount of liquid that it needed to um and I had always seen it with these like blue tubes and I didn't understand why like why is this a blue tube thing and I was young enough where like I didn't have my period yet I didn't know what this meant but I just knew the blue tube in instinctively I knew the blue tube of random ass liquid it felt wrong and that's like kind of why I like blood normal so much is that, you know, this, I have this like distinct memory of being a young kid taking my best friend's mom's pads and pouring different colored liquids on them and just being like, why is it this weird blue liquid? What, what is this? Suffice to say that woman was very angry to see that all of her pads <laughs> had been used nice. for us to experiment. Nice. This is my um, favorite story that you've but, ever shared on this podcast. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where, like, I hadn't thought about that in years, 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 years. And then Friday night, you know, I'm sitting and watching the award ceremony and I see this case study and it it it, it examines the fact that, like, we don't ever see what it looks like. You know, I mean, women see it, but, like, we, we don't ever see in our marketing what it actually looks like when you know periods are on pads and instead of having that blue liquid it was like this push to try and make it so that you know it 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 looks the way that it looks and I just thought that was so smart and it's so small when you think about it but it's so impactful because it normalizes it and I don't know if, if marketing can actually normalize things, if it can actually break stigmas and, you know, aside from this case study, say that something's so great, but like if it actually affects someone and can like change the world in that way to make something more normal, like, I don't know, that makes me really like happy and also kind of want to cry a little bit because it's great. So I love blood normal. (laughs) (laughs) Let's listen to a little bit of the case study, just kind of setting up blood normal and what they were trying to accomplish. We live in a world that hides periods and shames women for having them. A 13-year-old schoolgirl commits suicide after she was shamed by her teacher for period stains. But the way to end the taboo is to normalize it. Normal period blood. In a normal pet demonstration. Normal period pain. Period sex men buying pads, and women asking for them normally. One thing that I I really admired about this is that we see uh, these causes, we see stigmas uh, come up a lot uh, at Cannes. They're usually very culturally specific. Uh, You know, about one country has this one stigma or one region, one religion. And this is one where it, it doesn't even affect 50% of the population. It affects 100% of the population. You know, the, several of the jurors I talked to said, you know, that the stigmas and the shame around periods, it, it you know, it's like guys are basically that it's this whole idea that men haven't had to think about it, haven't had to acknowledge it. Uh, you know, and women have had to live with the shame and the inconvenience and, and, you know, having to be quiet about something that's completely biologically natural. But it really did feel like one of the first times I've seen a campaign like this that address something that literally affects the entire world yeah uh, and it, that's not you know the environment or something it's even more so than that yeah it's just uh it was great and like i said just having that that little bit of an edge to it you know the, the case study 
the videos around it are very intense <laughs> like they, they like everything's you know like got the red filter on it and they're just like here's some blood you know it's they uh they really certainly do not seem to shy away from it if anything seem to lean into the like we're gonna make you uncomfortable and and what shocked me i think the most was that madonna badger who was the uh you know one of the most iconic women in advertising and she uh you know and and really the one of the most vocal advocates for women and gender balance she got up to introduce the glass winners and said, you know, that even she was uncomfortable talking about this campaign at first. You know, it's like, wow, like what what a thing where Madonna Badger was uncomfortable having a conversation about periods, you know. And she said that's when we realized, like, that's why this campaign is so good. It's yeah. like it's baked, it's baked into us so completely. Watch the case study because it like it tackles so many things where you're like, this has been so normalized for me to like make this small, not talk about it like that to see it blasted on the, on the uh, stage at the palais to talk about period pain, to talk about how like people, you know, shove tampons in their sleeves. So as they're going to the bathroom at work, so that that's like not a thing. That's great. Like, let's talk about that. Let's just make it. Okay. I love that campaign. And I think one other thing to point out is that what's what's one of the words that we love to use in this industry so much? Bravery and, you know, fearlessness and all of these, you know, all of these platitudes that we like to throw around. And this is actually super brave, super fearless. And to your point, the fact that, that this is being normalized is such a positive thing, not just necessarily for this category, but I think everywhere. I mean, I think it's really important. What this started out as when it launched was, oh, okay, what is this? And now we're still talking about it and it'll keep continuing, continuing, continuing. So this will take on hopefully a very positive life of its own. But you know, we throw around the word bravery and fearlessness all the time. And this is actually part and parcel of what it actually can and should be, in my opinion. What's sad, too, is, you know, they talk about what we think about the social awkwardness and inconvenience of a lot of this stuff. And they, they feature in the case study and in the discussions, you know, women have died from this. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was, uh, you know, a young girl committed suicide because of embarrassment about period spotting. And I mean, those stories are just heartbreaking on such a level. So it's it's one of those things where it's not just a social stigma. I mean, this is something with a lot of weight to it. Well, we, we have talked about this one uh, for quite a while, but yeah, it, it really does show that it was one of the few campaigns that I, I swear I talked it with everyone. Wait, the only thing we didn't say that I think is also important to note is like when they went and picked up their award, they had blown up like a, a floaty of some kind. Um, I assume it's like a pool float in the shape of a, a pad. That was spectacular. That walked, spectacular. That to the stage to take it. And like they didn't get a perfect shot of them like holding it up. But just the fact that there was like a blow up pad. On the, on the stage. They actually made that for the campaign. Like, like as in they actually, I can't remember if they gave those away or sold them, but uh, that was part of it. You know, it's like they were they were trying to get women. I think they were sending them to uh, influencers, mm -hmm. like uh, Instagram folks to take pictures of them floating on those paths. So yeah, that was uh, that was an awesome moment when they came out carrying that thing. I'm not an influencer, but I want one of those. All right. Well, we are out of time, but thank you both so much. Christina Mullis, uh, Senior Editor on Brands, and Doug Sanger, Senior Editor on Creativity. Uh, thank you both for joining us, and uh, good luck uh, with the final aspects of your recovery. Hopefully, we'll all be back at 100% soon. <laughs> I hope so. Sleep. 
Well, thank you as all for listening. And if you did not get a chance, please go back and check out our bonus episodes from Can this year. We had some really fun conversations. We talked to Nike about their Breaking 2 campaign, which straight up got snubbed at Can. We didn't really know that at the time we recorded them, but it ended up not even like making the short list for Titanium, which stinks. Uh, but uh, but we had a great conversation about it and everything they learned from that. Uh, we talked to, as I mentioned, uh, two of the, the you know most incredible women from South America that are really working to expand women in leadership, especially from that region uh, and uh, and we talked to uh, Hans Brower from Massive Music about how music is used in ads that was a super fun interview so if you didn't get a chance go back and check out those and uh, check out the site for uh, if you google ad week and can you'll find all the can coverage you can suffer through so thanks so much I'm David Grinder. I'm the creative editor at ad week and we will be back next week this episode was brought to you by Accenture Interactive Accenture Interactive is hyper-focused on offering new connected experiences that flex to accommodate individual needs. See how we're creating greater experiences now at AccentureInteractive.com.